Hey, my name is Brian Golden. I'm the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church. And I just want to personally thank you for listening to our podcast. And I also want to invite you wherever you are around the country or in the Tampa Bay area to join our digital online campus at centerpointfl.org. And here's what you need to know. Our vision is to create an alternative to church as usual for all people. And all that means is, regardless of whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, you're new to faith, you're investigating faith, or you don't even know what you believe, our goal is for you to feel like you belong, even if you never believe. And so thank you again for listening, and I hope today's message encourages you and helps you. So here's what we've been talking about, and really like where I want to land in thinking about this whole idea of what your life is missing. When we think about what makes your life successful, and, and all of us contemplate that at one time or another, or on kind of the negative side, what our life might be missing, it tends to center on this idea without even saying it. But all of us want to be known for something. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I actually think that's, that's just in your DNA. God's actually placed that in you. But you want to be known for something. We want to be known for something. And, and in fact, for a lot of us, like you have adjectives to describe you or describe how you want to be known, whether you've ever identified them or not. And so the adjectives that you use, they affect a lot of times what you put on Instagram. They affect and impact your priorities. They at some level can impact what you project. But all of us have adjectives where we think of like, this is how I wanna be looked at. This is how I want other people to know me. So this is a question that you should answer is, how do you wanna be known? Or, or what do you wanna be known for? And like when I was thinking about this for me, like I, there's the obvious ones, I wanna be known as a good husband, be known as a good father, but then as you dig down, there's stuff that you don't even think about. Like, hey, if I were to really be honest, I think I want other people to see me this way, whether it's a good communicator or as smart or whatever, and, and you would never maybe name it out loud, but like there's just this internal thing, these adjectives of this is how I want other people to look at me. And it changes at different seasons of your life. I've talked about this before, and this is very vulnerable of me, but like in you know, fifth grade or right before middle school or elementary or whatever, like I was, I'm, I'm big time right-brained, which a lot of people don't know, uh, somewhat creative, and I was just all in, like, in terms of creativity and art, and I was known for that um, in my elementary school. Like, I was all into art and puppets and, like, all that. Like, I just was into all this stuff, and then I realized somewhere around fifth grade, um, I'm never going to get a date in my life if, like, this doesn't change. Like, I don't want to be known for these adjectives anymore. I'm going to suppress that side of me and just kind of highlight the more acceptable part that may get a date by the time I graduate from high school. So, like, all of us have that. But, like, the question legitimately is what do you want to be known for? And then here's the other question. What do you do, because this is inevitable, what do you do when you don't measure up to you? Like, what do you do when you don't measure up to you? Because at some point, the adjectives that you want to be known for, what you want to be known for, you're not going to measure up. You're not going to hit the mark. You're not going to get there. And what a lot of us tend to do, and this, again, is just human nature, is in that gap, we just tend to hide. And not physically, but just in terms of how we're living our life, we tend to start to pretend, we start to excuse, but in that gap between what we want to be known for and what we actually are, there's this propensity of, I'm just gonna kind of make something up in the gap. And here's the thing, and I heard this said years ago, and I think it's true, is that the more you image cast, the more you become imaginary. Because there's no real relationships. Like, nobody really knows you. Nobody really knows you at the level of, okay, besides all the stuff that I project and that I wanna be known for, and sometimes I'll just lie to make you think that, the more that you image cast to other people around you that keeps them at arm's length, whether they realize it or not, the more you become 
imaginary, the more you're not really known by anybody around you. And here's the thing. When you start pretending, this is for all of us, when you start pretending, you stop growing, right? Like the more you pretend, the more you inhibit and cut off growth in your life. And all of a sudden you start to get older, but you're not any wiser. Because by the way, age does not equal wisdom automatically. I had a professor that used to always talk about, evaluated experience makes you better, experience does not make you better. And all of a sudden you end up in this place where you have less and less, less self-awareness and you just kind of get stuck in areas of your life relationally or in terms of your career, where you want to go next because you're just in this place where you've pretended so much that you've stopped growing in your life. Now, let me just be real honest, and I try to do this with a lot of our audience that you're just not sure about the whole church thing, and so I'll just confirm your suspicions. Pastors are the worst at this. The absolute worst, and I am one, so I can talk about them. But just the worst, because, and it's kind of like parents. There's this pressure on parents that you kind of always have to have it together, right? And the same is true um, with what I do, and I'm, I'm sure it applies to what you do at some level, but anytime you're in any public position or you're on a stage, the, the, the point to which there is any kind of gap between what you communicate or the faith that you have and the life that you live, you're tempted to lie in the middle. Like, that's just true, and that's just human nature. And pastors are the worst at it because there's so much pressure. So if there is ever to be a gap between your faith or your communication and how you actually live, you're tempted to just pretend in the gap. Now, here's the other thing to bring you in on this. You would prefer that I do that, right, if you were really honest. Like, you want people to be just so authentic, but if I came in here and be like, hey, just so you guys know in the effort to be authentic, my marriage is hanging on by a thread, like, Nicole's like, I'll give you one more shot, but this sucks. I don't know how long it's going to last. And then I seamlessly transition into, and let's start our relationship goals series today and, like, just dive into it, right? You're like, no, just lie to me. But it's just, it's just true of all of us. Like, where there is a gap, you're tempted to kind of pretend. And we all have gaps. Can we just admit this online or in the house? And I know you're not used to being honest in church, but we all have gaps between who we are and who we want to be. Anybody? There's always gaps. And listen, just to dive down on this a little bit more, you know where you're most tempted to lie about your gaps? I hope you out. I thought that was an easy answer. I hear you screaming online. It's right here. Like you are most tempted to lie about them right here. And I don't think it should be that way, but I think in a lot of cases is, it is that way where there is just this unspoken pressure and it's why we have to create church cultures that start to move against that trend that has been around for far too long when you're just tempted to go, man, my marriage sucks, but I don't feel like I can tell anybody about it. And you get out skipping through the parking lot after just yelling at each other, but you don't wanna let anybody know that. Or my kids are fine, my kids are fine. They just knocked out four kids in CC Kids, but your kids are fine. You know what I'm talking about? Like all that stuff. Or you start to, uh, what addiction? Or sexual sin, that's a whole nother thing. Carry sexual sin into church and watch how quick people feel like they've got to hide stuff because the moment I get real, somebody's going to push me out. And some of you, just to talk really honestly, that's exactly what you have experienced where the church has been anything but the safest place for you. And we are so tempted to pretend and to lie and to image cast. And even in this place where we're supposed to be worshiping and serving a God that says, I want you to come as you are and I have the ability to transform your life. Everybody is lying and nobody is growing. And that's the, 
That's the like downside of where that can go. And then just real quick to kind of make light of this. If you have kids, especially in church, just know this. Your kids will expose you. They will expose you. This is my favorite story, and I've told it before, but I, I think about this every time I'm thinking about this kind of subject, is, by the way, and I wish I could be in all of them, I'm not. CC kids meetings, I'm, I'm pretty sure those are the best round tables ever, where it's like, what did the kids say in small groups this week? Because they just talk about stuff that you don't know they're talking about. A couple years ago, this, this little girl was in a circle in um, CC Kids. I don't know what age she was, but they were talking about something. And I don't even know how this subject matter came up, but she just like, looked right at her small group leader, and she's like, my grandma is 100 years old, and she just needs to go. <laughs> Who are your parents? Because I'm scared... Somebody needs to identify them. So like, you know what the conversations have been in the car. We love grandma, but grandma's time is up. Like she just, like your kids ultimately will expose you somewhere along the line. But come on, isn't this true though? If people don't know what you're really like, they don't really like you. If people don't know what you're really like, they don't really like you. One of the things to just, just give a shout out for a second. One of the things that my wife has taught me and discipled me more than anything else in our marriage is this whole idea of being unbelievably authentic and real and transparent and this is who I am that honestly has broken me free of a lot of stuff in my own life where you are just so tempted to image cast and never really be the fullest version of who you are, which is I think what God's created you to live like. And her courage to just go, here's who I am. Here's where I struggle. This is how God has uniquely wired me and made me. I'm telling you, it's inspired me to move in that direction in my own life because that statement is true. If, if you are never in this place where anybody really knows who you are and really knows what you're like, they don't really like you. There's no real relationship with who you are and how God has created you to be. And then here's the other reality. Until you embrace where you really are in kind of all of its maybe uncomfortableness, you will never get to where you want to be. Until you fully embrace, and sometimes it's hard because we don't want to embrace where we are. Sometimes we want to pretend where we are. We want to excuse. We want to blame shift. We want to kind of put it on them. But until you fully just confront it, embrace it, and go, this is where things are at right now. Here's where I'm at right now. Until you embrace that, you're never fully going to get to where you want to be and be who God has created you to be. And so for all of us, you want to be known for something. Here's my whole point. You need to be known by someone. At some point along the way, and I think this is getting tougher and tougher in our culture. At some point along the way, you need to be moved into deep relationship where you are able to somehow drop all of the pretense, all of the manufactured cool and confidence that's not really true about you right now, and just be real in who you really are without any fear of judgment. And I'm telling you, In most cases, that is the pathway to healing that you're looking for. That is the pathway to progress that you're actually looking for. It's actually why from the very beginning, we talked about this last week, with everything in us to try to create a church that would be the safest place in the world for anybody struggling with anything. And we've said it over and over. It is so easy to say that until you actually confront somebody who's actually struggling in a big way outside of the norm of church culture. 
and you are not hyper moved to go, we just gotta modify their behavior and fix them. But instead, no, I'm gonna enter into where they are and into the struggle and into this dysfunction. And I'm gonna love them and walk through them, realizing that ultimately Jesus has the power to change them. It is our goal to create an environment where they can be led to Jesus for his transformation in their life. And they fear no judgment to go, this is where I am. Because I serve a God who said, God so loved the world that he gave and gave a message to all of humanity. So whether you are gay, whether you are addicted, whether you are struggling in marriage, whether you have kids that are off the rails, whether you are in a place where I'm not even sure in some areas of my life if I believe the God thing, this is the invitation of Jesus. You just come, you enter into community and Jesus followers should be not arrogant, but the most confident individuals in the world to sit at the table to go, even if you are struggling and even if you don't believe what I believe and even if you are walking through a dark time, I'm gonna be the safest relationship for you in the world because I serve a king named Jesus who has the power to change your life. So I am not threatened by you. I have been strategically placed in your life to love you. And it's just true that like once you really get real, and for some of us, I don't know if that's ever happened. Once you get really, get really get real, you get known. And when you get known, God has the power to do something in your life because you were created for that. And I believe the solution to that is the church. And maybe not church as some of you have experienced, and I'm not knocking the church. I love the church. I've talked about all, that, all of that throughout this series, but I'm talking about real church. I'm talking about environments where you're really authentic, I'm talking about where you get into a place and you experience what I just talked about. God has the power to do something extraordinary in your life. The first pastor in the first church in the first century, I love these words that he wrote in James 5.16 that are on the screen or in your app if you download the Centerpoint Church app. James 5.16 says this, therefore... Confess your sins to each other. And you're like, um, no thanks. <laughs> Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be, what's the word? Healed. Online, what's the word? Healed. And what, the point that James is trying to get at, because I know your mind can go into all kind of weird stuff or you've seen this verse manipulated, but his whole point is, like, if you really wanna experience healing, if you wanna really experience progress, it happens in the form of deep relationships. Come on. I mean, this just, this just is parallel with, you have to have a deep relationship to confess anything to anybody, Right? Like that takes a special kind of community. That takes a special kind of person. And I know for a lot of us, we're tempted to go, no, no, I just tell God. It's like me and God and I tell him and then we're good, which really means I don't wanna be known by other people because telling God is amazing. But have you ever been in relationships where you are deep, in, deep enough where it's not just you and God, but it's you and somebody else on the couch or across the table or across from having coffee where you're able to go like, this is what I'm struggling with. This is where I'm at. This is where this thing, I, I think I'm moving to a place of addiction or I think right now, like I don't know where our marriage is headed or I'm not the person that I wanna be or I'm so mired in anxiety and depression, I can't seem to get out of it and now I'm going after self-destructive behaviors and I haven't told anybody else about it. 
Like, can you imagine like that depth of relationship? Because listen, there is no healing if you are still pretending. And you wanna be healed from your past, many of you, and I'm just telling you, this is James' point. Not that you walk around with no emotional IQ confessing your crap to everybody around you. That's not the point. But the point is like, if you wanna experience real healing, a lot of times you've been focused on you and God, you and God, God, why is healing not coming? And God's like, because I've created you for relationship and your healing is not just gonna come here, your healing is gonna come here. And I wanna move you past your past and one of the ways that I'm gonna do that is through other human relationships in your life. And then another pastor wrote this in Hebrews 10, 24. Um, the author is disputed, even though I don't think it is, but I'm just gonna, Hebrews 10, 24 says this, and let us consider how we may spur, what's the two words? How we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And literally the spur in the Greek, it just means to urge. Like you need to get yourself in environments where you can urge one another on toward loving good deeds. I forget how many times one another is mentioned throughout the New Testament. It's over and over and over and over again because Jesus was letting us know there is a new paradigm shift. It's not just you and God anymore. It's you and the other people around you. And one of the ways that I have called you and created you to function is in that one another relationship. I want you to inspire one another. I want you to encourage one another. I want you to exhort one another. Sometimes I I want you to lovingly call out one another to go, bro, you are going off the rails. I want you to move into a place where you're patient with one another, where you are kind to one another. But the whole Jesus movement is, if you wanna love God, I want you to love the other people around you. And one of the ways that you do that is get into community where you can one another one another. But that requires proximity. Like you can't do that in here. As powerful as I think this is, and we've been created for this in the first century, this is how it started. They would go to the temple courts and then house to house. They would gather together in kind of this larger community and worship, and they would sit under the teaching of God's word, and they would be in this place where families would gather, and then they would go to house to house, and they would break bread, and they would get into real community. That's what you were created for, and that's what you need, because here's the reality. You will not drift toward the best version of you. You will drift toward waking up in five years going, this is not what I wanted in my relationship. You will, you will drift toward waking up in five years to go, I didn't even know I had an addiction. You'll drift toward waking up in five years to go, why in the world did I not prioritize that? But you will not drift in the direction of ultimately God's vision for your life. You need people in your life positioned to urge, to spur on, to inspire, to challenge. And I'm just telling you, if you try to live without that, it's all throughout the New Testament, you will stop short of experiencing all that God has for your life. And then he ends this section with this in verse 25. And do not give up meeting together, meaning you've got to position yourself in this regularly. You need to position your kids for this regularly. You need to position your students for this regularly. This is why like we built into every environment a community aspect. So on Sunday, when your kids show up, it's not just large group and they have a ton of fun. They get into smaller groups where your kids are actually known by somebody else and they can be known. It's why Velocity is centered around. We have large group things in here and then every single Wednesday, they break up into smaller groups where they begin to experience community as a sixth grader or as a ninth grader or 11th grader. And I know you already know this as a parent. There's some stuff that your kids are never going to tell you. 
And in the context of that group, God begins to do something. So he's like, do not give up meeting together. Some of you, and I know some of you are gonna take this wrong, so if it's not you, just ignore me. Some of you, like there's real concerns where you're in a place right now, you can't be in community because of what has happened over this last year. Totally understand that. Some of you are also, though, COVID comfy, where you're just in this place where you've decided to resist community and there's no reason for you to resist community other than you've been in this season where it's so easy to just, like, I've kind of gotten comfortable, I'm good, and you are so disconnected that you are drifting in the wrong direction. So he's like, don't give up meeting together as some of you are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. And then I love what Paul writes, greatest church planner in history, had so much to say around this. And here's what he says in Galatians 6.1, brothers and sisters, those who are followers of Jesus, who believe Jesus died, rose again, have placed their faith and trust in him. If someone is caught in a sin, And again, I know some of you have seen these verses abused so horrifically. You who live by the Spirit, and there's a really key word in this verse, should restore that person. What's the word? And by the way, it's in the context of relationship. Like, I pastor a lot of people. Many of them I don't even know. Even as your pastor, it's not my right to, with no relationship, get up in your face to go, here's what you need to do in your life. And you see this all throughout the New Testament. It is always in the context of relationships built on trust. One of the most grievous sins that we've created as a church is thinking that we are the moral police for every single individual that we come in contact with. You have been created for community, and this verse generally applies to maybe three people that you are doing deep life with. Everybody else, you have not been designated as the Holy Spirit for them, and you are not to wag your finger at culture who've never even embraced the fact that Jesus is Savior. And so he says, if you're caught in sin, you live by the Spirit, you restore that person gently. And come on, some of you have experienced this in the right kind of way where you were in relationship with someone who cared, who loved you, and this wasn't something of moral superiority or judgment. It was a conversation to go, man, I'm hurting for you. And if you keep going down this road, I think that your marriage is gonna end. I just want you to let you know you're off the rails and I wanna help restore you and move you back. And God drops somebody into your life to bring you back. And so he says, verse two, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. And I love this because the law of Christ is just this idea once we get to the New Testament is all that stuff in the Old Testament, all of those commands, it now hangs on basically a single command in two parts. I want you to love God by loving other people around you. I want you to love God by loving other people around you. What's the whole Jesus movement? I want you to love God by loving the people. What about the 613 commands of the Old Testament? All that's been summarized and the law of Christ is down to the single command. I want you to love God by loving other people around you. And one of the ways that you do that is carry the burdens of other individuals because there are some burdens and there are some weights that you will not survive without other people in your life. And then he writes this to the church in Rome in verse, chapter 14, verse one, accept the ones whose faith is weak. And here's what he means, because that can almost sound derogatory, but I've experienced this before, and maybe you have. There are seasons and moments in your life that you don't have the faith in your own strength to keep going. And it's as if in community, somebody else loans you their faith. 
Somebody else gives you the faith that they have in that moment to you so that you can keep going and they remind you, they spur you on and they urge you, hey, hey, this is what God's called you to. God is faithful, he's with you. I know it looks dark. I know you're struggling with questions. I know you're doubting God. I'm here for you, I'm gonna walk with you. And literally they loan their faith and strength to you into that season without quarreling over disputed matters. And then Paul brilliantly pens this in Romans 15, 17. So he says, accept one another then just, and he's talking about community, he's talking about deep relationships, he's talking about us together, accept one another then just as Christ did what? Just as Christ accepted you. And do you know why Jesus accepted you just as you are? Because he had a vision for where he wanted to take you. And he's gonna accept you whether you ever get to that place or not, by the way. Like Jesus with arms open wide is gonna say, I love you. And if you place your faith and trust in me, believing in what I've done for you, I will take your sin and I will give you forgiveness and I will give you new life and you will be designated a son and a daughter of God. And once you become a son and daughter of God, you cannot be disinherited and God will accept you as you are. But you need to know this, as Jesus accepts you as you are, he has a vision for the transformation of your life into the person that he's created you for before the foundation of the world. And come on, do you know where you experience the unconditional, transformative acceptance of Jesus most profoundly? Around other people who have experienced and are committed to the transformational, unconditional acceptance of Jesus. And I just want some of you to hear me for a second. Some of the reasons why you have never felt that in your relationship with God is because you've never felt that in relationship with other people. And the moment you can drop the pretense and you can get around some other people who understand that, who are committed to that, who can breathe that into your life, I'm telling you, this is not just about human relationships. It has the power to change your relationship with God because suddenly, if I'm accepted and loved by you, transformed in the fact that you would know me and that you would still love me, then all of a sudden it starts to connect to my relationship with God and that I am accepted, I am loved, even though I am fully known. And here's the dichotomy me for a lot of us. We have this desire in our DNA that we want to be fully loved, but we don't want to be fully known. And the only way, listen to me, the only way you will ever get to the place where you feel completely fully loved is to be completely and fully known. So Paul's like, this is how you experience all that God wants for your life, but it's not going to fully happen just sitting in here. Why? You need a therapist. I'm just kidding. Um, you're like, okay, all right. I didn't know that's where this was going, but all right. Um, you might need a therapist. You should get a therapist. I'm a big fan of Christian counseling, and not, I'm actually not a big fan of Christian counseling. I'm a fan of counseling and licensed counseling, and you should pursue all of that. But what you really need is community. And that community comes in multiple forms, in multiple ways. But I'm telling you, with where God wants to take you, this is what he has designed you for. And it's why from the very beginning, this is how we started CC. That our goal, our desire, and I can't say it enough because we're not there and I'm continually trying to push us in this direction, is that we wanna be what I already said, the safest place in the world for anybody struggling with anything. 
And sometimes you think you're there and then you hear a whole barrage of stories of another group of individuals who followed Jesus their whole life and have never felt like they've been able to get honest. And the moment they did, they felt like they had to walk away from the church. It breaks my heart that we would create a place that is a lot more recovery group than it is country club. And just know, to create that kind of church, it will always make some people nervous. It will always get messy. It will always be a little bit like, ah, how do we handle that? I don't know. But that's what God has called us to do. And the reason that I felt like this was so part of our DNA as a church when we started this is because I knew me. And to go back to last week, if you didn't listen to it, I knew Lauren. People who at some time in their life had some dysfunction, at some point maybe had some doubts, were insecure. Some of us have some places where we're wounded, we're struggling through some stuff, we don't know what to do in our marriage or our kids, and so we tried to create a place for people like that where they are fully accepted and loved no matter where they are with a vision for what Jesus can do in their life if they get into community. Because come on, Jesus has a desire to move you to a place of him accomplishing his destiny and his will and his purpose for your life. And when you begin to get into community to set the stage, God can begin to work in ways in your life that you never thought were possible. To heal and to redeem and to restore. And I just think for some of us, the absence of this is why we stay stuck. And you've read every book, you've done every podcast, you take notes every week, you show up for church and you sit in a row and yet there's still some stuff you're struggling with of, I don't know if I can ever let go of this behavior. I don't know if we're ever gonna be able to move forward in this marriage. I don't know if I'm ever gonna get answers to these questions. I don't know what God has for me and I feel so distant and so wayward and so lacking in purpose because the thing that God has designed you for is community. And one of the ways that he's gonna lead you and heal you and move you past where you are is in those relationships where you are staying stuck because you are trying to do this Old Testament, me and God, like you're coming to the temple and how can I learn my way into the transformation that God has for me? And that is not how it works. Information by itself does not produce transformation. You have been created to get honest in relationship and God's going, come on, you gotta take a step. And so it's why from the very beginning, I'm gonna land the plane on this. I, like we knew we could not program um, life change or transparency, but here's what I know we can do is we can set the table for it to happen naturally. And so it's one of the big things that our church leads to and we talk about all the time and Bradley talked about it earlier is we want everybody to move from this into smaller communities where God can begin to do this in their life. So we just call them groups. We have, in a bunch of these we just launched, but we have three different kinds now. We have community groups, which are basically traditional groups. It's Bible study, usually prayer, all different levels. Um, they always have like food and snacks generally. I mean, if your group doesn't, your group's kind of lame. Um, they generally have food and snacks. They get together two, three you know, times a month, depends on the group. Um, it's generally no more than 10 to 12 people. And I'm just telling you, time over time, week over week, God begins to do something as they form relationships. The other type of groups that we just launched is interest groups, which are, we wanted to open a huge front door to go, listen, we just want people to make connections. And sometimes, to quote C.S. Lewis, we wanna have secular and sacred all the time. Um, sacred and secular is what I'm trying to say, where like this is sacred and then somehow this is just 
whatever. But the reality is when you're getting in community and Jesus is at the center of it, everything is sacred. Everything is spiritual. So we have these interest groups that you can do hiking and you can do I think there's one for flying, there's one for yoga, there's one for gaming, there's one for, there's even a group called, uh, what is it called? Like people who don't have any hobbies. Like, so I have no idea what you guys do, but it's just like, you just sit there all day. But there's groups for everybody. I just named a couple, there's 20 some groups. But what we wanted to do is we're so committed to this, open the door wide open. So whatever your common interest is, that's a way for God to begin to use that to connect you with other people with that common interest. And I'm just telling you, they don't get together every week and hold hands and pray, but time over time, as relationships are developed, God begins to move. Because I'll tell you what will happen. You'll get into some kind of group that, you know, on the outside doesn't seem spiritual at all. And then about nine weeks into that, when you're going through something that you just don't really have questions or answers for, suddenly this person that you've been connecting with, you start to open up about that, not because it was a question on a small group guide, but because you had created a relationship. And then God begins to work through that. The other set of groups that Bradley mentioned this morning were uh, lifestyle groups, and these are groups specifically designed where there is a gap in my life. I want to grow in that gap. And so it may be finances. Every year when we sit down with people who are struggling in relationships, 90% of it is financially related. Financial Peace University, we have a, a whole group for people who are recovering and healing from abortion, high numbers in our gathering as we, we reach people from all over the place. We have one that's Leadership Institute to grow in leadership. We have one, let me just plug this real quick and I'll be done in just a second, starting point. This is for anybody who's either, I'm not sure if I believe, I have questions about faith, I've got some doubts that I wanna talk to somebody about without shutting me down or just going, the Bible says, I actually wanna talk about them, or people who've maybe walked away from the Jesus thing a long time ago, starting point is your best starting point. I cannot say enough, like if you're in that place, we wanted to provide conversational environments where you're not taught at, but you, you can actually come and go, here are my questions. Here's what I'm wondering about Jesus. Here are my questions about the Bible. That is such a great place for you to start. And then there's several others I'm probably not remembering. We have a doctrines theology class of, I just wanna learn more about my faith. But my point is just this, you need to get into a group. And some of you, let me just challenge you, you need to, you need to lead a group. And most of the time we way overestimate like what we're called to and we underestimate ourselves. And yes, there's standards and we're gonna help kind of get you into a position, but there's a bunch of you. Yes, you feel inadequate. Yes, you don't know enough, but God has positioned you to use you and you have chilled on the sidelines long enough. And you have something that God wants to breathe into the life of somebody else. And I love that your golf game is legit and maybe your business is doing well right now and, every, and others of you are struggling in a big way, but wherever you are, God has given you something to hand off to somebody else and you need to step in and use it and move off from being a spiritual consumer to being a servant leader, which is what you have been called to do and get into one of these groups. So here's what I want you to do. Um, all you have to do, and this is for you guys online. We have iGroups all over the country that you can be a part of. Um, we have a new thing at Easter that you are hearing about where we're encouraging you to gather people and not just watch a screen. But wherever you are, text CENTERPOINT to 94000. Text CENTERPOINT to 94000. We will send you a link about groups. I love that some of you are, are at least pretending that you're doing it right now, which is amazing. Um, check your Facebook and act like it. It'll just make me feel good about this message. But text CENTERPOINT to 94000. You can um, even do that barcode right in front of you. Go to the CENTERPOINT app or the website, 
And then I'm gonna end with this because like, I, get, I get all the pushback. The imaginary you doesn't have time for this. I get it. The real you is dying for this. I think for some of you, your marriage is dying for this. And like everybody, let's just talk honestly, everybody thinks you have it together. And you know, you know. Everybody thinks you have a ton of friends. You don't. You have a lot of acquaintances. And you have traded community for acquaintances. And like God's calling you to step into this and God wants to do something through this and you have to position yourself. And when you do, God can begin to work. I'm telling you, when you get yourself in a place where you go, God, I want you to move. I want you to connect me with other people who are gonna urge me, inspire me, lead me. That is the place many times that God brings the healing that you did not think was possible. It's in that place a lot of times that God inspires you to go, this is what I have for the next season of your life and I'm not gonna rain it down to you in a prayer time. I'm gonna connect it to you through him, through her. It's in that place where suddenly you don't know if you can keep going. You don't know if it has what you have what it takes as a single mom. You don't know if you have what it takes as a 19-year-old who's trying to pave a better future with so much multi-generational crap. And it's in that place where God begins to speak through you, through stories of other individuals and give you the strength to keep going and to speak over your life that I have a plan for you. I have a destiny for you. I have a will for you. I have a unique desire of how I want to use your life. And it's bigger than any multi-generational sin. And it's not confined to people who are in a marriage. It's for single moms. It's for people struggling with identity. It's for people who are in addiction. It's for people who've never felt like they were in. But Jesus says, you are in. And if you begin to follow me, I can do something extraordinary through your life. And I'm gonna work through this. And I'm gonna work through your prayer time. But guess what? All the way back to the Garden of Eden, I have positioned you for relationship. And there is somebody right now who's gonna unleash vision over your life to lead you into a better future. And all you need to do is position yourself in that place for God to move and for God to work. And it's hard and it's scary and it's what God's calling you to do. And listen, last thing, just in terms of your kids, your children are gonna mirror what you model. And here's what I know about some of you, maybe all of you. You are begging your kids to be real. You are begging your kids to listen, especially if you're now into the 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. You are begging for them to listen. And I know that you're constantly looking for teachable moments. Let me just tell you, what you model will trump your teachable moments every single time. They will forget almost everything that you say. (laughs) There's gonna be a few moments where they will never forget what you did. And the reality is, For many of them, if you embrace this, they will respond to do what they see. And so I just wanna encourage you, you need to prioritize it for your students in Velocity. You need to prioritize it with your kids and you need to begin to model the way because come on, I know that you think you're smarter and you're beyond it, but if you're not willing to listen to anybody at 47, why should they at 17? And I know you wanna be known for something but let's be known by someone. And you're doing image management, a lot of you, a lot of us. Who are you doing life with? 
I mean, for real, who are you doing deep life with? And you are never gonna move and get to where you wanna be and become who you wanna be until you are willing to face up, and I get it is so difficult, but until you are willing to face up to really who you are and where you are in this moment. And all of culture says, manage your image, manage your image, manage your image. Jesus invites you. I want you to drop all of the pretense. I want you to stop pretending. I want you to create really messy churches. I want you to invite everybody in. I want you to get into community. I want you for the first time in your life to be real and drop all of it. And when you do, I will begin to work. But stop praying for me to move. I want you to move. And I want you to get into community. And I want you to position yourself. God's like, and I'll do the rest. I'll lead you. But you got to take a step. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I thank you so much that, Lord, you have designed us, unlike any other world religion, in this relationship that by the time you showed up on planet Earth, you obliterated the whole idea and system of rules and just vertical relationship with God and you leveled everything to be horizontal, that, that now we could have a personal relationship with the God of the universe who came in the form of Jesus to die after living the perfect life that we couldn't live and then after his death, rising from the grave and through our simple faith and trust in what Jesus has done, we can have life, we can have freedom, you're able to change everything. But I pray for some of us, and I, I am well aware of how this message hits. And Lord, I know the resistance and the angst that rises up in so many of us, and we will find a hundred excuses of why we can't and why we're different. I just pray that you would cut through all that noise and that we would recognize in this moment, this is what I need. This is what I was created for. And then I'm not gonna keep talking about healing and purpose and destiny until I position myself in places where God can begin to move me in those areas. And so God, I pray that you would give so many people physically in these seats right now and all over the country, wherever they are listening, those who are on unfiltered radio to, to be able to connect with a church or, or start a campus in their home. But Lord, they would, they would find a way to get into community and allow you to begin to work. And I pray the stories over this next season as we take these steps be supernatural, they'd be miraculous, that you would change hearts and change lives in ways that the only thing that we could attribute it to is your power and that you would get all the glory. And we pray this in Jesus' incredible name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.